nine-time letter winner, NFL wide receiver, 14-year Wisconsin Athletic Director. Live from the Everlight Solar Studio, this is the Pat Richter Show finale on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. With former UW Athletic Director Pat Richter, here's Alex Strofe. It is another week and the final edition of the Pat Richter Show right here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app and Wisconsin On Demand. I'm Alex Strofe, live from the Everlight Solar Studio and incredibly excited to be joined in person by the former UW Athletic Director, the nine-time letter winner at the University of Wisconsin, the Madison East High School legend, and uh, all-around Madison, Wisconsin legend, the great Pat Richter, with me in studio one final time as we put a bow on his tremendous contributions to Good Karma Brands and ESPN Madison over the last decade plus. Pat, uh, good to see you in person, my friend. How are you? Good to see you, Alex. Not too far from where I grew up in uh, high school at Madison East, so it's nice to be in the neighborhood. Yeah, we're just up the road, aren't we? Uh, yeah. Here, here on East Washington Avenue at the Everlight Solar Studio. Played a b- the- lot of games in Bree Stevens. Did you play there back in the day? Played football there, a lot of football games, and we played a lot of uh, baseball games in there, too. Really? Yeah. I never knew it was a baseball field. Well, the right uh, field porch was uh, between the first and second poles. It was a double if you hit it over. <laughs> a lot of them went to the Mott's Paint Company. So better football memories or, or, or baseball memories at Bruce Stevens? Probably more football because that was high school. Baseball was more of the summer league. Gotcha. But I had grown up as a bat boy over there uh, for uh, – Bowman Dairy in the Industrial League when I was 10 years old, and that's where I kind of got, cut my teeth in baseball over there. I was just following a lot of university players that were on that team, and Otto Pulse, for example. Otto was there. Yeah. He's great. And so it was a great place to grow up. No doubt about it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's neat to hear you reflect about all those times, right? And we've done so many of that, <laughs> so much of that over the, uh, over the years. But as, as kind of the point of, of today's show is we're going to talk to a bunch of people who you've dealt with over the course of your incredible career. We'll talk with Jason Wilde and Mark Tauscher, who you know separately from, from their time in the 90s and 2000s at UW. And, and you and Tausch have been friends for, for decades at this point. We'll talk with Craig Karmazin, the, the CEO and founder of Good Karma Brands, who obviously is the reason. We got you here at ESPN Madison. We'll talk to the other hosts of this program throughout the years besides me and Jim Rutledge and Bill Johnson. And we'll talk to the two biggest knuckleheads I think you and I have ever met in Tarek Sala and Derek Angler as well, just to uh, relive some fun memories. But as I say, those names is, are, are just random memories popping up in your heads for well, over the years. I guess the last one first, but I, I never uh, put Derek in the same category that Tarek was in. I would agree with you. Yeah. So he's a little bit... A little bit more appropriate, I think. <laughs> but good guys love the love the way that they talk about the Badgers. They have passion for the game. They were great players when they were here, and uh, always fun to listen to them. No doubt about it. And, and uh, I, I, we were talking off the air with Mark Tauscher here at the Everlight Solar Studio, and I said, Pat, I think uh, I don't know if I've ever heard you give anybody more crap uh, than, than Mark Tauscher. And you said, well, I don't know if it's crap, if it's true, but it seems like you two have such a neat relationship. So I'm excited to hear more about that. But uh, how, how long have you, have you and Tausch been friends? I mean, it, it's got to date back to, I would imagine, the late 90s, right? Well, when he was an athlete here and uh, I used to see him, I'd work out in the weight room and I'd see him working out and I... It's not as a negative because he's got great feet. He can move quick. I looked over and I saw this. Look like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Because <laughs> I said, oh, that's what it's come to here. And uh, he just was a hell of a football player. And, uh, you know, almost, almost close to not being there that last year because uh, I think that one of the coaches saw him at the, the Kentucky Derby. And they were just shooting the breeze. And uh, and they were kind of saying, well, what are your plans? And he 
He said, well, I'm going to go to Youngstown State and play another year. And he said, well, they didn't know it. Apparently, the coaches didn't know that he had another year. And they said, well, they must have checked it really quickly. And then they came back and said, well, hell, if you're going to play another year, why don't you stay here? And then I don't know what the rest of the dynamic is. We'll have to talk to Mark about that. But then he played that last year at the Badgers. No kidding. I never yeah. knew that story. Yeah. That's, that's terrific. And we will have to dive into that with Taushin a little bit. Uh, Pat, you know, as as we run through your resume, it's 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 insane, right? Uh, you were the last three sport athlete at UW, which I imagine is something you're incredibly proud of. Nine time letter winner in, in football, basketball, and baseball. Um, you obviously played professional football for eight years in, in Washington, but uh, baseball was was your other bread and butter. And I, I didn't realize this until you said it before. You were actually came to UW on a basketball scholarship, which is. Uh, the sport you probably saw the least action in, which I which I never realized. Yeah, it was a crazy kind of a process. And the uh, I was recruited for basketball. I wasn't going to play football. Recruited for basketball. I actually took a trip, uh, recruiting trip to Kansas. And uh, Kansas had had Wayne Hightower and of course Will Chamberlain, and and uh, it was probably the first time I'd been away from home on a plane type of thing. And came back and I committed. Uh, the commitment back in those days was not the way it is today. A little bit different. Yeah, and so, uh, but then I talked to Gene Calhoun, who was uh, my, kind of my good friend. I had been a bat boy with his team and, uh, and with the Bowman Dairy. And uh, he said, well, if you're thinking of baseball later on, you're better off in the Big Ten than the Big 12. And so I changed my mind and told the coach uh, at Wisconsin, Johnny Erickson, that I was coming here and, he was happy about that. And then about the time that the football rolled around in the fall and I wasn't scheduled to go out, I kind of got the itch again. And I I asked uh, the football coaches if they would approach the basketball coach to see if he'd let me go out. And so uh, he did. And the freshmen weren't eligible back in those days. So uh, you in the spring, you missed the spring football practice, and uh, that was it. And so... That was the only spring practice in football we did. And then the next year, then got into the routine. It was probably one of the football, the basketball, one of the more difficult transitions from a standpoint of running and, and stopping and wear and tear on your muscles type of thing. And, uh, but I was never, a, I was a 6'5", which was kind of a tweener back in those days. And so guarding Jerry Lucas at 6'8 or 9 was not an easy task. And, so I uh, had a mediocre career, but I was in a basketball scholarship. I was intentionally playing the baseball, but then up playing football as well and uh, making the decision to go to professional football, mainly because if you, you're too young to remember, but back in those days when they had minor leagues, it was the A, double A, triple A, and you might be in the minors for a good period of time, just as I this singleton for the Brewers right now. He was right. down for a long, long time. And so uh, it uh, was the kind of this. Uh, it was long time not knowing what you're going to do, and so football either you're playing at the top level or you're not playing at all, and so your life gets gets kind of more organized, and so that's why I went to football. And it's it's so funny to hear you say, yeah, things were a lot different back then, right? You you played in the in the early '60s collegiately, and then you were, were the athletic director at UW from '89 to 2004, a 15 year span. And now, uh, about uh, almost 20 years later, is it is it just incomprehensible to you how how much 
collegiate athletics has changed. I know we've talked about this hundreds of times, Pat, but it's it's crazy to me how much it's changed in five years. But to look at the last six decades, how much collegiate athletics have changed, it, it, it has to be wild to you. Well, it's crazy. I mean, I uh, came here on the scholarship, and I it was probably a couple hundred bucks or so. Yeah. It was a need-based aid. So my father worked at a Gissel machine company, and uh, he made a level that I wouldn't get a full scholarship until he passed away at 43. And uh, and then I then I got a full scholarship, so it was much different. But it was need based, which I think is a pretty good way to do things because it, it kind of equivalizes it. Not everybody's getting the same. If you need it, you get more. And uh, and but to jump, but you know you also have to think oh, that was 60 years ago. So I mean, it's it's not like it was yesterday, but it was. Uh, <laughs> things have happened fast, and uh, when your athletics. And you get involved in administration, and you see how quickly it moves. It and it depends on personalities. It depends on timing. I was fortunate enough to work for uh, the conference leader Jim Delaney. He was a visionary, and uh, and so he kind of set the table for Kevin Warren and the others to expand in the conference. One key story that uh, the uh, there's a lot of discussion about uh, expansion back at the time that I was being considered for athletic director. Donna Shalala told me about the expansion of possibilities and that the Penn State was going to come in. And uh, and so I knew that. But on the day the conference uh, had a scheduled the conference call, the day that I had my press conference. And I went down there, and it was obvious they had not heard about Penn State until it hit the papers that morning. And Bo Schembechler asked Doug Weaver, who was the uh, the chair of the committee, he said, Weave, did you know this was happening? He says, no, Bo, I didn't know it. I, I can't repeat on air what Bo said. But he said, oh, God, <laughs> beep, 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 beep. And that kind of blew up, and I said, well, what am I getting myself into the first day on the job, and this is what's happened. That's terrific. Plenty more recollection and, and memories and, and the walk down memory lane to come. We'll talk with Mark Tauscher and Jason Wilde. Coming up next, this is the grand finale of the Pat Richter Show right here on ESPN Madison. Celebrating the historic career of Pat Richter, this is the Pat Richter Show finale on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. Honoring one of the all-time greats from the University of Wisconsin, this is the Pat Richter Show finale on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. Rolling on, it is a special finale edition of the Pat Richter Show right here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Alex Strofe and the legendary Pat Richter with you live from the Everlight Solar Studio, downtown Madison. Excited to be joined now by two fellow Wisconsin legends. Number one, we have a, a, a young Jason Wilde in the 90s covering all things Badgers athletics. And we have another Badgers legend who Pat may or may not have earlier referred to as uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy. Uh, that would be the, Boy, that the doesn't great, sound like the, something the Pat great Richter would do. Mark Tauscher <laughs> join us now on the finale edition of the Pat Richter Show. Fellas, thanks for doing this. And I, I know you guys, and we talked about it a little bit before, have such a unique relationship relationship with Pat. You're, you're our longest running daily show on ESPN Madison. I know he's played such a fun role on your show, so really appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah, I I love to joke around with Pat Richter, and it, it's th- I, I laugh now thinking about it, but um, 1995, I am a walk-on at the University of Wisconsin. I don't know anything about anything. You could say I still don't, mm-hmm. but I, I go down and 
we just gotten started. I have maybe two or three days on campus, and we're doing two-a-days. We're down lifting. We're working out, and there's just a bunch of us walk-ons. There's probably 10 or 11 of us walk-ons. And we get done, and Pat's working out. He's doing his Stairmaster, yoga, Pilates, the whole deal, everything. <laughs> you know, he was always new-aged ahead of the time. And we all respect every time Pat would get up to talk, you know, whether at seminary or whatever, it was always how many Hall of Fames he was in and everything else. So here he is, this just monster of a personality and just a legend. Uh, three sports, all of the stuff, everybody knows about it. And why I really was drawn to Pat and became really good friends with and just respect. I don't know if there's anybody I respect more. And it stems from I go in. And again, I'm three days on campus, number one forty two or number one forty issue geared. In the old the old days where you'd get the stuff and they'd stuff it in your locker. I'm bottom right, one forty. I think there's only two other lockers left. And I go in to get a Badger Max, which is an old drink, and you know, they'd mix it with the with the big ore and <laughs> you put product. your cup. Great you, product. Yes, great product. Did you invent that? No, no, it was Dave Ellis. Dave Ellis. Well, I go and I put the cup, and I push it up there, and Pat comes up and says, Hey, Mark, how are you? And, and I'm thinking, wow, how on earth does Pat Richter know? have any clue? There's 130 other guys on the team, and that was, to me, I just that was one of those moments that I'll never forget. And it helped me feel a little more comfortable. It felt that I was actually known, where I don't think a lot of other coaches and players had any clue. <laughs> but that was one of those moments that drew me, and that's uh, just the starting point. And then, obviously, I've asked Pat a lot of different ideas. I thought I should do this show with Jason Wildey. He said, absolutely not. I went against him. Probably should have listened to him. <laughs> but it's just he has just been such a – he's just such a – such a legend at the university, and I am just, man, so thankful that I've, got, I've been able to have a relationship with Pat now for 20-some-odd years. You know, the, I think, Mark, the thing that really, uh, as you talk about this, meant a lot to me is the fact I had heard about your basketball prowess. This kid, and because at the Tillbury Dobor thing is maybe over or reaching a little bit too far. Well, away. Ron Wolf said it, too. So it's, <laughs> hey, it is what it is, Pat. The I, legends agree. Yeah. But anyway, because the uh, the fact was is you had better feet than anybody. And that was one thing that I always looked at with respect to the, the linemen and everything else because size didn't really matter. It was a question of feet. I always said, well, why don't you get him into you know, martial arts, uh, karate, things like this, foot, sort of footwork and handball, things like that, because that really helped a lot. But I think the fact that uh, you were a multi-sport, Made the decision to come here, but the fact that uh, a lot of people thought you were a hell of a good basketball player. Pat, uh, when when you look back at your entire career, what's the one thing, whether it's sports, administration, Oscar Mayer, whatever it was, what's the one thing that has made you successful? If I had to get you to pin it down to one thing. Well, I think that uh, probably the fact that the people that know me in the neighborhood, in fact, I still play cards with guys I grew up with. You really haven't changed a lot. That means an awful lot. And I think, in fact, after I finished at the athletic director's job, the thing that I really uh, enjoyed the most was just getting mixing around. I remember the first game I was going to go to, I was going to wear some shorts. And Renee says, you can't wear shorts to a game. I said, I don't have anybody to impress. I'm, I'm not working anymore. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to wear what I want and be comfortable. And the people that came up and just said, thank you. And I think that... 
that was something that I would relate to them because being a fan and going to the games and seeing where everything has come from and the fact that the people had lost the kind of their faith in what the athletic program has been all about and then all of a sudden it started to get building and building and building. You could see that the people, even though they didn't talk about it a lot, it meant a hell of a lot to them. And that said, just thank you. And that means more than anything else. And so uh, I think that it's just more of the internal type things, the relationships, the fact that I was fortunate enough to play some professional ball and then go to Oscar Mayer, which is a great organization that taught you an awful lot about culture, about people, how you treat people. And uh, just trying to be uh, not necessarily nice, but understand it when the fellows that uh, have to make tough decisions to uh, make a change. For example, I remember uh, Jerry Hegel at Oscar Mayer. He said every time he made a decision, 11,000 people depended on that decision. So whether it was a coach deciding whether he needed to make a change in coaching, I said, you you have to make that decision because you're going to be held accountable for it. And so... That was the main thing. Not be unreasonable, just be accountable. Pat, Tausch mentioned you knowing his name. And for me, I have a similar story as a student reporter covering Badger sports. You have for that the hoop earring? Room. You remember he had the hoop earring that it got infected and his ear swelled up? He had a bandana around his head. It's really more Alvarez's <laughs> issue with the earring than Pat's. But be that as it may, you know, I was, again, like Tausch said, and you just mentioned relationships in being one of your most important things that you developed in all the different roles you had over the years. And for me, the fact that Pat Richter knew my name as a student reporter at the Badger Herald was a really big deal. And you made everyone feel that way. And I always appreciate that. I've talked about it a bunch of times between you and Coach Alvarez and Kevin Cosgrove and uh, Palermo, who I was afraid of, and Chile. I mean, I learned so much, and I would hope that Barry and everyone else that I just mentioned can look at the career I've had as a reporter and say, you know what, we helped that guy not be a complete idiot and actually turn out to be pretty good at this job. I am curious, though, because you just referenced Oscar Mayer. It's 1989. I am not on campus yet. I am one of those people that we talk on this show about Packers fans and not knowing what it can be like without Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. Well, before you arrived, before Donna Shalala convinced you to take over the athletic department, uh, things were bleak. And... I was a freshman for Barry's first year as the head coach, so I experienced just the tail end of those challenging times. But I'm wondering, when Donna Shalala comes to you and says, we need you to save us, why did you say yes? And was there any point where you thought, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into here? Well, yes to all of them. I think probably the first thing is that uh, I, I was never in a position to say yes. Well, I was in a position to say it, but I didn't say it because I really didn't didn't think that I was the right person for the job. I, I like my privacy, the family business uh, of getting, the, uh, we have four boys, they're all involved in different things. i just not sure being from Madison that you really wanted to get into that. And so I actually was out recruiting Bob Johnson to be the athletic director I because my son was playing hockey and, and uh, so I knew Bob. And got started talking. We never really got down seriously, but I was kind of just saying, would you be interested in this job? And eventually things changed at Oscar Mayer. 
with uh, Kraft being uh, uh, picked up by Philip Morris, etc., I could see my position moving to Chicago. It was a good job, no question, Bob, but we didn't want to be in Chicago. And that's when I changed my mind. And so she kind of went through uh, Jim McVeigh, who was my boss and a very close friend of mine, and kind of said, well, I'm going to go after him. And Jim would kind of funnel that to me. But uh, it was uh, it was something that was really questionable. And, uh, and I think in terms of jumping to the point about what a surprise, I talked to uh, uh, Alex about the fact that uh, the first day of my press conference, I had a, we had a, a conference call in the Big Ten. Donna had alerted me the fact that the Penn State was coming into the Big Ten, but obviously the, the athletic directors hadn't been really alerted. And so Bo Schembechler asked Doug Weaver, who was the chair, said, Weave, did you know anything about this uh, expansion? He said, no, I didn't. Well. You can imagine what Bo said, but I can't say it on the air. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I said, oh, boy, what am I going to get myself into here? This is the first day, and now this is what it's come to. And so then as I went up to the the office, and uh, the person who was an assistant there, I sat in my desk for a second, and I came in with a handful of messages and said, this message is from Bill, this message. And I said, wait a minute. Here, I'll take all of those things. At Oscar Meyer, they'd had a, a uh, call director phone and everything else. Well, in, at the athletic department, there was a red phone. If it rang, you had to answer it. You couldn't, you couldn't transfer it. You couldn't uh, put it on hold. You had to answer the damn thing. Otherwise, it would just keep ringing all day long. And so it was a change. Shag carpeting on the floor, you know, paneling. It was 1950s stuff. And most of all, it was just uh, the people... Uh, you know, hoping that they were solidly behind you because they felt that, that there's, you know, things that kind of run its course. And uh, they were very archaic. The investments hadn't been made. But it was it was tough. And when we started dealing with budgets and uh, first year having to come up with a million dollars more the next year just to stay even and the ripple effects of all those things, that wasn't uh, any frivolities and things like this. It was just to stay even, really kind of give you a, a dose of reality. And this, this legislature always liked to uh, get, in, get in your business, the Finance Committee, because they had proven that they couldn't handle it. And, uh, and so we had to overcome a lot of that negativism. But uh, over a period of time, nothing helps more than winning. And when that started to happen, then uh, things started to change a little bit. Well, Pat, I don't want to miss the opportunity to just simply say thank you to you. Uh, thank you for the way you have treated me for the last <clears throat> 30 years, um, from when I was a student to now. Uh, thank you for the, I'm not going to lie, saving the athletic department from itself. Um, I appreciate everything you did for me personally and you did for the university. I got to cover a Rose Bowl as a senior because you hired Barry Alvarez and everything changed after that, much like Bob Harlan, who I also admire and think the world of like I do with you. Sometimes the people who make those decisions don't get as much credit as the coaches that make the victories happen, which I understand. But I'm just so appreciative to you. But I have to ask this because I've never asked you this in the 30 years I've known you. How the heck does Hugh Vernon Richter become Pat? 
Well, War- <laughs> that's a great question. Great question, Jason. It's not as tough as you think. Warner Wolf out in Washington always used it as a, a trivia question. And uh, it was, I was a junior. My dad was named Hugh Vernon uh, Richter Sr., and I was junior. He was born on St. Patrick's Day. So he had a nickname of Pat. And then as we grew up, I became, he was Big Pat, I was Little Pat. And then he unfortunately passed away at a young age of 43 when I was at the university. But uh, I've kept it, it's really been a kind of a, uh, a burden in some respects of changing, well, when you're driving your license, you try to explain, well, who's Pat? So I'd have a Hugh Richter on a picture in a license plate, but I'd sign it Pat, and that doesn't go so far. So it's always stuck with me, and, uh, but it was little Pat, big Pat, but then I became taller than my dad, and then it got confusing. So uh, that's the way it is, and uh, it's, uh, that's the rest of the story. It's not as exciting as you might think. Huh. Well, well, Hugh Vernon, all I can tell you is this. In my time as a Badger, I have never owned a Wisconsin jersey. I would wear a number 88 jersey. I would do that because that's how much you've meant to me, and I appreciate everything you've done. One thing I wanted to mention, Jason, I appreciate that very much, is that you have to remember, you remember there the number of writers and everything was kind of negative, and it was it was had to be proven otherwise. Otherwise, they weren't going to get on board, and it was changed. It was very, I don't know why it happened that way, but it was a lot of animosity, and uh, and that took a while to bring. So I fact that people like yourself took time to listen and be objective and and give us time to move things along we really meant an awful lot so that's why uh you didn't get any special treatment put it that way but uh you, treatment you deserved <laughs> and I, I i don't know if you want to get into it but i got a great bow let's so. hear it we had the we were talking about uh when the replacement for bob was going to take place and we were having a meeting on the packer board and uh, they were talking about the process. There was a fellow named Mark Murphy. He's going to say a few words, and he's a possible candidate. And and, and Bob talked about things about how the process is going to be. And so, he, but he kind of deviated, and he said, "Now, if you really want to be particular, he says, if somebody like Pat Richter, Pat was just younger age, he's the kind of person we want to do this job." So they said a few things a little later, and then finally I raised my hand and I said. Bob, I, I just would like to ask a question, but first I'd like to introduce you to my attorney. We're filing an age discrimination lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it broke the it broke up the, the the quietness in the room, and Bob got a big kick out of it. And our is, birthdays are on the same day, September 9th. That is awesome, <laughs> Pat. Before I guess Jason and I uh, take off, um, I'm always curious because great leaders let their people lead too, but when we were at one of the defining games in the Barry Alvarez era is that Ohio State game. We had come off a Rose Bowl. We had Brooks Bollinger come in to play quarterback. We're down 17 nothing, And that was one time you decided to come in and talk to us, which never happened. I guess what made you that day come in and decide to say something to our group? Well, you're going to bring tears to my eyes because it meant so much. Uh... It was a special being of an alum, somebody that followed Wisconsin football, to see what had happened, to see the kind of a watershed moment, to have them come back and experience that kind of ex- an experience itself. To win that game was, uh, I think, everybody that viewed that game, whether you're an alum or not, were very proud of the way you guys played that day. And Because I, I didn't want to get in the middle of 
the coach, I never liked to say those things, but I think it had to be said that you represented an awful lot of people, and that game was very special. Yeah, uh, and I think we're all speaking. I'll speak for Jason, which I usually don't do. We could not admire, respect, and love somebody more. And we appreciate everything that you've done and what a heck of a ride. If any of us can do half the stuff that you've been able to do throughout your life, whew, what a ride. Thanks. I appreciate that very much. Now the, the body's a little worse for wear, but... Uh, when you're still getting around. You're still golfing. and <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to ask Bob Harlan how old you are. He probably thinks you probably shouldn't be golfing anymore. I'll be 82 in September. What a run. What a run indeed. And Tasha, I'm so glad you brought up that story at Ohio State because we've talked about that countless times, Pat, right? One of the few times, if, if not the only ever time, you, you went down and spoke to the team. Uh, and I just think that's such a kick-ass story. So I'm glad, Tausch, you brought that up. Jason, Tausch. Uh, well, res- I'll say this. Yeah, we, you don't forget those things. No and doubt. When it, when you, it's one thing if somebody's blustery and doing it all the time. When Pat Richter speaks, people listen. Tell that to my family, would you please? <laughs> well, for sure your grandkids don't. I know Renee's got you out there gardening and doing Lord knows what. So. I'm looking for golf balls. <laughs> yeah. So, Pat, by the way, if this is the uh, if this is the farewell to the Pat Richter show, does that mean Tausch and I can get you scheduled for a weekly appearance on our program <laughs> and you'll be doing that for free? Is that you've got enough room in your schedule? Because we'll still take you if you want. I'll be ready anytime. I, I have to make sure I got to bone up on these things because I remember talking with on the show about uh, NBA basketball and things like this, and I got off the air and McCall, the phone rang and it was my son Barry, and he says, "What the hell do you know about the NBA?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I, say, oh, yeah. hey, I say that same thing to Wildy every day on the show, so True, that's why actually. we talk Packers almost exclusively. True that. Well, if th- that's any indication about how Pat feels about working with me, we'll, we'll, we'll be joined by his other two former co-hosts, and Bill Johnson and Jim Rutledge, coming up next. Wildy Tash, appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. This is the finale edition of the Pat Richter Show, rolling on right after this. Celebrating the historic career of Pat Richter, this is the Pat Richter Show finale on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. Honoring one of the all-time greats from the University of Wisconsin, this is the Pat Richter Show finale on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. Roll it on. It is the finale edition of the Pat Richter Show right here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app. And Wisconsin on demand. What a fever dream this is, Pat. As you as you look around the room, uh, you see me, Alex Strofe, who's been uh, the co-host with you the last two or so years. To your left, you've got uh, the guy be- that came before me and Jim Rutledge, and then to your right, you've got the guy that came before Jim and Bill Johnson joining us now on the finale edition of the Pat Richter Show. So right now, first question off the bat: Who is your favorite co-host? <laughs> <laughs> Yet to be determined. Yeah, we'll see how this depends next, on all this. Goes. Yeah, we'll yeah, see how these yeah, next yeah, couple yeah. minutes go. Well, guys, thanks for being here i mean uh i think we did the math about 16 years we've had the pat richter show one hour weekly edition here on espn madison going between the three of us uh and and i know i feel this way and i i I can go ahead and make the assumption for you guys it's been an absolute blast picking the brain of of the the godfather of Wisconsin Athletics and Pat Richter over the years and I've had the unique opportunity the last few years to talk a lot about name image likeness and the transfer portal and nobody knows more than a guy that's been retired as an athletic director for almost 20 years Pat so that's a that's a credit for you for sticking up on all the news as, as much as you like to say you don't well I, you know, it is I, I, I admit I'm not going to be out prepping as much as everybody else I'm sure these guys really helped and that was one of the premises of the show I kept 
inching them along, and Jim and Bill never really, maybe you, Alex, what am I going to do with that kind of a question? Do we take one question a week? Get it, fill it some air time. Because sometimes it's a, about in the middle of July or whatever, you say, "Boy, what in the heck are we going to talk about now?" And where somebody does something dumb, but it was—you uh, guys are professionals, and that really helps an awful lot. I mean, you kind of lead me along the way. We never really said, "Well, we need to do this, we need to do that." Jim, I think, was there when we had the fiasco with North Carolina. Yeah, I think that might have been Bill uh, with that oh, one with, with Roy with, Williams. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that was the, way back then. That was that was the thing too, is. In, in working with Pat, um, you, you were going to get all the great memories and everything, but he wasn't a guy that was going to go out there and really go after somebody. But Roy Williams did something to, to get your ire. Well, it was, it was a learning process for me. We talked a little bit earlier in the piece about this, but uh, when I got the call at home, I think you maybe called me and said, Hey, we'd like to use a couple of cuts for a spot we're going to do a promo and everything. Oh, geez, you stupid! You're, you're in trouble now. What I do? And then, and then when Bo, Bo said he his finger lit up, his phone lit up like a Christmas tree, and he hadn't realized. You should have heard what Richter just said. And I got a call from the the uh, Carolina station saying, "Would you like to make some comments?" I said, ah, "I think I said enough." <laughs> Well, and my sin on that would have been I was behind the scenes making sure everyone got that clip. So building the interview, but at that point, I think I was director of content. So when I heard it, I had the one that gathered it up and put it out everywhere. And you can still find that story. You Google it. It's State yeah. Journal and all those other places there. You know, uh, from that, I, I was I was so happy to be a part of this, and and I've talked about it. And my brother Jim is listening in, and, and we had one of the the great days ever when we got to to go out and play Maple Bluff with you. Um, it, it was just so gracious on your part, and it was just so much fun. Um, but when I thought about you, and I thought, well, what's the, the natural thing to ask Pat? Well, the, to ask Pat what, he, what the greatest thing he did was at Wisconsin or who the greatest player was at Wisconsin, and I said, you know, Pat probably doesn't want to say that, so I'll just tell him who I think it was, and we'll see what he thinks. <laughs> I, I, I think that from somebody that, like me that was a kid in the 70s, um, the hockey team was always good, but the basketball and football teams were kind of middling. If they were yeah. 500, they were okay. If they hung in there with Ohio State and Michigan and any of those sports, it was all right. But for this athletic department to really move forward, the football team needed to be good. And when you came in in 89, I think the most important decision that you made, and I don't know whether you agree with me or not, I think the biggest made was hiring Barry Alvarez. Now, now, when did you find out about Barry? Was it in the interview process? Were you watching Notre Dame going, dang, these guys are great. Who's, who's running the defense for these yeah. guys? Uh, when was it when you figured out that Barry was going to be the guy that was going to give Wisconsin the best chance to step it up a level? Well, that, it's kind of a little bit of a double answer here because that, when that final decision was, was down the process a ways, but when I got to the job, there was actually a bunch of applications that had been, been submitted. There was a letter from Barry was in there. Somebody had recommended one of the former players. I think it said, I met this guy, Barry Alvarez. Maybe I ought to talk to him. And so he was on the scope on the list. One of the things that was really helpful in that process was uh, some words that Jim or, uh, John Dardini had given uh, me. He had had his open heart surgery and transplant, and so. But we used to get together occasionally, 
And uh, he said, one of the things you should ask these guys when they come in is who comes, who's going to come with them? Who, do they have anybody that's going to come along with them the, the, from their current job or whatever? Because that'll indicate whether or not the players or the coaches out there are willing to hang their hat on him as a coach and as, as somebody that they can trust. And uh, there was one coach that uh, go nameless, but I thought he would be really a top-notch candidate. And when I posed that question, I said, uh, who, who do you have that might be coming with you? So, you know, I really hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, that was, it was almost like the, their enemy question. I think it came up in his interviews. Yeah. I mean, well, I hadn't thought of it. Well, that's an important process. And so we boil, when it boiled down to the uh, last two candidates that uh, I was really kind of focusing on, one was Don Nealon from West Virginia. Don had been in the Big Ten uh, before. He was a friend of Mario Russo, who was on our staff. And uh, he was in a bowl game around the 26th or well, 7th or so of December. And, and Barry was the other one. So it was lined up pretty well. We figured that we could get Nealon on the 28th or so, 29th after his bowl game, fly him to Madison. He could take a look around, gauge his, his interest and whatever. And then the bowl game that Barry was in was like the 31st on uh, New Year's Eve, I think it was, and in Miami. So when I called on and uh, asked, well, we're ready to come and pick you up and to spend a day with us and talk, to, talk it over and whatever, he said he had lost the bowl game. And he said, you know, I, I lost the game. He said, I feel badly about that. I, I I, just like to think it over, you know, right right at this moment. or just can't, can't make a decision. I'd like to think it over. And when he said that, then I said to myself, well, then we're going to go with Alvarez because we need somebody that's cranked up, ready to go, fired up recruiting-wise. Don had been very successful, no question about it. He had a good package, a golden parachute, so to speak. And yet... He probably felt badly, but uh, he was kind of burned out, I think, at that point. And so went with Barry, I called up. I said, I'd like, how'd you like to be the next coach of Wisconsin? Yes. And so I said, I'll fly down. We'll pick you up. Then tomorrow morning, we'll fly back for a press conference. And so I, I told him, I said, when I get there, I'll sl- slip a note under the, your bed uh, door and then we'll get together. So I slipped a note under there and said, give me a call when you get back from the game. Well, they had a great game against Colorado. They won the game and uh, Notre Dame, and and then they had a, a post-game uh, kind of a celebration, you know. And uh, and I, uh, so I waited for Barry to give me a call after the game was over. I waited, and I waited, I'm thinking, Somebody might have snuck in there between that game and give him a call or got him aside and say, hey, we've got this job open for you. And uh, then he did call. So he went down and uh, had the post-game celebration and uh, met Lou and Holtz and others. And the next morning we flew back and uh, never forget he was sitting in the house and he was he got a call from Hayden. And to go to this point about who's coming with you, he said McCarney was going to come with me. And Bernie Wyatt, he 
he didn't know that he was going to come with him, but he, he got him, <laughs> somehow he, he got him on the uh, the uh, plane with Dan McCartney, McCartney and uh, those guys. And when he, Bernie came, he was co-opted into playing, being coached with Wisconsin. And uh, at the house, uh, Hayden had called Barry and said something to the effect of, "Don't keep stealing all my play, my coaches." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're. And so Bernie and uh, and uh, McCartney came, and uh, and so it was a great staff. And it was two key guys. That uh, Bernie was a heck of a recruiter, and uh, Dan was a fireball on defense. And uh, so they're very important who they brought with him. And uh, that's when he said, "You better get your season tickets." <laughs> he was right about that. Yeah. There was a, an almost hire that might have rivaled, um, obviously, Bo Ryan, an amazing, should be a college basketball Hall of Fame coach, but Bob Knight was someone, and this is one of the stories I remember you sharing that honestly blew me away, that he was in the mix here during your time as athletic director, that someone that you were you know, interested in hiring. Well, no, that uh, he, he was been uh, actually offered the job prior to my coming. Okay, he, he that's was, what it was. He goes back to uh, when he was an Army. Okay. All right, and uh, I'm not sure whether it was Elroy. I think Elroy was the athletic director, and he was pretty much committed to come, and uh, and then it leaked out, and so that killed the deal. Wow! And then uh, later on, subsequently, then I think Bo had been somewhere somewhere online there in the work. He had been recruited as well, and then he told that story, and he kind of killed the. Was, he had heard from Bobby Knight that the Wisconsin couldn't keep it under their hat and whatever, and so it killed another deal. But uh, yeah, Bobby was he, he and I had an interesting relationship when he was in the Big Ten, and uh, we were athletic directors, and we were at game, things between us, the uh, coaches and the athletic directors would get together, and he and I would always commiserate, and I always said, you know, I I got more. Ink on the on the on that postseason game because we played each other against Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, you were zero 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 zero, and I was zero 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 one. <laughs> <laughs> I had a foul, and you did, he didn't have anything, and so we got along pretty well until the uh, the day you had the suspension with the Big Ten, yeah. and uh, and I was on a committee who had to review that, and we confirmed it fact, and so it was kind of rough road after that, but the. Uh, he was he was very close to Dick Bennett, very close at all, and he, he appreciated the coaching staff, and he would almost flip it. And when we beat, beat them at, at Madison, he was intensely going after the officials. And all of a sudden, he saw Dick. It's just like he changed, <laughs> just turned off the, the emotion, and he was very close to him. And so, uh, but that's a true story that he was supposedly uh, on his way to Wisconsin. And somebody called, and, I don't know who broke the news, but it was uh, wow. a killer. Pat, <laughs> back to, to football, and the, the most important move that I thought you made as athletic director as a whole was the hiring of, of Barry Alvarez. I think the most important single athlete that was brought in in your time was Ron Dane. Um, because, like I said, I, I believe that the success of football was the most important thing to the success of this athletic program. And also the notion that guys could come in from areas outside of the Midwest 
and have success uh, at Wisconsin. But that beside the point, if, if you were to build a running back in a lab, I don't think you could do a better job than building Ron Dane as far as building a running back in a lab for that Barry Alvarez offense. It might not have it didn't necessarily bode well for his NFL career because he was largely worn out by the time he got to the National Football League. But I'll tell you what, he was as close to unstoppable as you could be when he was in Madison. And that goes back to uh, when we hired Barry, who was going to come with him when Bernie Wyatt came. Bernie Wyatt was responsible for, he had a very good connection out in New Jersey. And uh, Bernie was close to Ron and his people out there and, and subsequent other recruits as well. But uh, that just goes to show that when he said these are the guys that are coming, they are important guys, and they proved it by what, who they recruited. And Ron, you know, uh, during the time we were there, he, and he was such a, a good individual, and, and I've been doing a few things with him. We do kind of a dog and pony show at uh, some seniors' housings. <laughs> I'm seeing more and more of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so he talked about when he was recruited. I mean, he didn't know Madison from Adam, and all of a sudden he didn't have a phone, and his, uh, he was at his aunt's house, and they called and said, there's a fellow here to see you. And Bernie and Barry were there, and, and that's how they kind of started that relationship. And it's, it's refreshing and really rewarding to see how he has grown as a person. I mean, before when he first started out, I was with him at the Heisman Trophy. You know, he just hadn't really been out much and things like this, and he was kind of very reticent in terms of talking. And he's been a representative of the university, and and he, it, but his story that he I'd like to tell is the fact that he gave up an opportunity to be on the Olympic team, the discus. To, uh, to play football. Really? Uh, yes. And it was the year that the, I think when they, they boycotted, I think it was. And the winning throw, he said, was about seven feet less than what he had thrown <laughs> in high school. So he, he talks about just the importance of uh, the commitments and the university and education. And, uh, and he would have you know, given up that opportunity for uh, for playing the university, and he, and he wanted to be a running back. Yeah. And uh, I often told Barry, I said, "Geez, why don't you put him back on a kickoff return? <laughs> <laughs> who in the world would want to try to stop somebody running that fast and a big body and everything else?" And maybe we see Braylon uh, doing the same thing this year. But uh, call up Fickle, Pat. Let's <laughs> let's get Braylon Allen back there. Give give Luke Fickle a phone call. Yeah. Well, he's got the speed. I'll tell you that. But. Uh, I think he's more valuable on an individual basis, handing off. But uh, I, I just can't imagine. I know I, I always thought Ron running downfield and you're behind him, <laughs> trying to tackle a guy what did he alone on the run and in a kickoff. But he's it's too valuable to do that. Well, the thing about Ron too was, it, it, and and this is what gets underplayed now because I had talked to some people about it today, and they said, "Oh yeah, just big, powerful, you know, but ran guys over." He ran away from a lot of people too, and that, and that's what people don't recognize. Ron Ron Dane was closer to Bo Jackson than people give him credit for. Was he Bo Jackson? No. But you mentioned too another multi-sport guy, not just a big guy though, a really really fast big guy. Well, he came in. I think he was said he was. A- his heavyweight was 260 some pounds. Wow! I mean, that's that's hard to believe. But he he was 
he was so you're so if you're I can imagine when you're looking at him he's so big and and mobile and he's at you and all of a sudden boom he's his little twitch muscles he could be shifty as Bill said you go left or right and whatever and you, you you're kind of thinking about am I going to hit him or are you going to hit me and and uh, but the fact that he did at the tough times and good games and things like that he just he just played up and he he was uh, he was a tough guy to get and all and very respectful and uh, he just he really was the key guy no question about it well Pat as we look back uh, in 1989 and 1990 when you were introduced as the AD Penn State was joining the Big Ten and now as we wrap up the Pat Richter show in 2023 USC and UCLA set to join the Big Ten in a couple of years so wild wild ride it's been for you in the last uh, three plus decades huh really has and I think that the inclusion of Penn State was a little bit when lumpy down with the athletic directors because they didn't know about it, but I was fortunate enough to have <laughs> been briefed on Diana. Uh, and uh, Donna said they're coming into the league. I told it earlier, but you guys didn't hear it. But uh, when I got on the press conference and they said, uh, Bo said to the Doug Weaver, said, Doug Weave, did you know what's going on here? And he says, no, I didn't. And, well, now you can't and say what Bo Schembecker would say, <laughs> but he said it. And I said, I'm get, what am I getting into? And uh, now with UCLA and USC, I think there's a lot of issues that are going to be out there in terms of the integration. I think even California, they've got some problems with respect to pulling out of the league and, yeah. and detrimental effect on the uh, other state colleges and things like this. And uh, it's going to be tough on the, uh, on the uh, Olympic sport athletes, too. I mean, we go there maybe one time or one time and back and forth. They've got to come back to at least maybe eight to ten schools and travel like that. So it's going to be a very interesting proposition, but it certainly strengthened the Big Ten, and and they got there before the other guys got them as well. Sure will be. Uh, Big thanks to Jim Rutledge and Bill Johnson for joining us here on the Pat Richter Show series finale. We'll be joined by Tarek Sala and Derek Angler, a couple of other Badger legends. Coming up next, it is the Pat Richter Show finale right here on ESPN Madison. This is the Pat Richter Show finale on 100.5 ESPN and Wisconsin On Demand. Find the full show wherever you get your podcasts with Wisconsin On Demand.